Welcome back to another edition of Mojo Sessions. We're on the road to the Nationals, guys. It's Cody Pasby with you. I've got Daps of Dap Sports with me. If you have been in this hobby since the boom, uh, you know the name pretty well. He's been big in the content creation space. And, you know, as we're on our road to NSCC 23, we're trying to get perspectives of this hobby, where we're at in this hobby from everywhere. We've talked to uh, CGC grading last week. We're talking to people who are breaking, talking to uh, entertainers. And I think this is an important uh, piece of the puzzle is talking to people creating content. I mean, it's literally what we're doing right now. So first of all, Daps, thanks for coming on. How are we doing today? Doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, happy to have you, man. And again, I, we were just talking before we started about uh, the incredible setup you guys had at the Mint. Uh, I've been working on my golf game, so uh, I think we're we're ready to go. Uh, we'll hit up the putt putt, whatever you know, the top golf, whatever we need to do. But I'm ready if you guys got that putting green out again. Yeah, we were thinking about putting like a driving range in the middle of the national too. I mean, it's a big enough space, so why not? You know, like, just, eh, who cares? Let's do, let's do it. What's the words are going to do? Kick us out? Lo- long drive wins a flawless case. There you go. Oh, man. Okay. Well, don't hold me to that. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to get in a little bit to your background. Just like, just in general, uh, where are you from? How'd you get into this? Uh, I always like to hear people's hobby history. So if you just want to give us a quick background, and I'm, and I'm talking all the way back to like childhood was there like a spark as a kid and is this something you revisited a few years back what's your hobby history yeah that's definitely part of this the story it's i grew up on long island in new york my grandfather was actually a scout for the new york jets so i just grew up going to giant stadium parking next to curtis martin running up to him you know chasing autographs and i got you know exposed to that really young so i think that because of that it was just something i was extremely interested in from the beginning and I grew up, you know, in the Pokemon era, collecting Pokemon, sports cards. I love this game. That was like the NBA's tagline back in the, the 90s. Damon Stoudemire was definitely a, a favorite of mine. And I was a New York Knicks fan, too. So I, I grew up watching Patrick Ewing, Alan Houston, Latrell Sprewell, Larry Johnson, those teams, that incredible run they had as the eighth seed to play the Spurs uh, in 98. So... Now, fast forward to a couple years ago, and I'm looking for something on the side to do as a side hustle, and I hear Gary Vee talking about sports cards are coming back, sports cards are coming back. And this was John Morant, Zion rookie year. And uh, that's when I kind of like started to, to do a whole bunch of research again and started buying and selling. All right, yeah. So that's, that's, it's definitely a story, I think, that has become familiar in this world, especially the last few years, it's, uh, you know, I could speak personally. I got back into this in 2020, joining the Mojo Break crew. Uh, so I know that story all too well I, b- before I even go any further. So we're talking like so the Curtis Martin era. You, you had me the moment you said New York Jets. Uh, what was it again? Your uncle was a scout or was it? Uh, your, uh, sorry, I, I, I'm sorry if I missed that detail. My grandfather. 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 OK, yeah. so. So the Curtis Martin era, so we're talking like Tessa Verde, Chad Pennington. Do I got I got that all right? It's Bill like, Parcells, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's you know, and, and I, I know that the Jess history is a little uh, shall we say, it's it's a little sparse on some winning. You know, I hope you don't mind if I say that. <laughs> I think that's, you don't that's the nice that. way to put it, yeah. That that's like kind of a bright spot right there. That's kind of like a nice era of Jets football where you had a lot of big stars and big names. So I'm I'm sure there's a lot of I'm sure you have a lot of like great great stories from that era 
Well, yeah, I think in 98 was uh, we were actually in the AFC championship against Elway. So they were decent then. So as a kid, you're watching a team that actually has a chance, right, at winning a Super Bowl or getting there. So it, it gives you a little bit of hope, which wasn't great for the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. No. But then Rex Ryan came through and gave us a little bit more hope. That was a fun time. And since then, it's been quite a disaster. Well, you've got, I mean, the vibes have to be good with Rodgers on board, right? Like that, that's got to be like, I, I know he's, it's not, you know, 2010, 2011 Rodgers, but I mean, this is a leaps and bounds better than I think what the Jets have had here probably since that, that Rex Ryan era. No, the team is stacked in my opinion. I think that you're coming in with the offensive and defensive player of the year. I don't know the last time that's happened in football. And I, I'm also, I'm not the guy or not the fan who goes, oh, we're going to the Super Bowl or we're making these outlander statements. But watching Garrett Wilson last year, I thought he was incredible with four or five different quarterbacks playing for him. Now he's got Rodgers. I don't think it's outlandish to say, uh, you know, ceiling. This guy's a top five receiver with Rodgers. Yeah, hey, and bring it back to sports cards, Garrett Wilson, maybe not such a bad investment if you're looking at guys, you know, especially receivers, if you're looking for stuff like a little lower to, to buy in on the bit on the, going into the NFL season, maybe not a bad decision. And hey, we're mostly most of us around here are Niner fans, so we're all sort of pulling for Robert Sala. We're definitely pulling for Robert Sala uh to do something there to show the show he can prove himself there in New York. So, uh but hey, uh, enough enough Jets talk. Uh I you talked a little bit about your hobby history. You said Pokemon. Uh, are you still into the TCG or is it now just strictly sports cards for you? For me, I'm just a, a fan of art and fan of entertainment. In addition to sports, I grew up watching MTV and ESPN at what I consider the heights of both of those companies in the you know 90s, maybe early 2000s, the Stuart Scotts and the Trey Wingos and uh, I mean, Chris Berman's, I, they just had so many analysts who kind of made their own brand, so to speak. And I think we've kind of lost that in today's. And and, and that, that could also be because of social media and people don't care as much. But, um, you know, coming up under that era, Pokemon, Star Wars, anime, you know, Dragon Ball Z. My brother and sister love Dragon Ball Z. So I didn't love it growing up, but then I was kind of just, it was forced around me all the time. And now I, I see the cards and I'm attracted to them. So for me, I could be buying a card in any space just because it, it brings back a memory that I connect with. Yeah, I, I love that. That's what, to me, that's essentially what this this hobby is all about. The, like, I've always felt like, and, you know, this kind of gets us into a topic of where we are now, maybe back even three, four years ago. It's what gets you into this is this love of like, you just like this stuff, whether it be sports or uh, like you said, like I collected Dragon Ball Z cards as a kid. Like, and that's something that I didn't expect to have sort of a come up here in the last couple of years. But it is that love of just like collecting hanging out with your friends, you know, doing something fun and cool uh, like that. And uh, the money now as we're getting older is sort of just like, hey, it's cool. We can make money doing this as well. Uh, and I know that that dynamic has changed a lot. And I think that if you've especially if you entered this space, like you like you said, just a few years ago, what, what around 2019, 2020, um, 
things have kind of gone way, way up. Way It's been a little bit of a roller coaster, to, just to put it lightly. Uh, where do you see the state of this industry? Are we in a healthy spot? Are we in a good spot uh, going into the national here in 2023? I think we're in a great spot. I think that people like to complain. It's just in our nature. Um, I think if you looked at the price of sports cards and cards overall on a graph, they're still way up. If you compare them from, let's say, 2017 to 2023, they're way higher than they were back then. So people who entered the market late 2020, 21, they're looking at it like the, the market's crashed. But if you were in it even a little bit before that, you, you would have saw it go up and it go down, but still way above where we were at. And it's exciting because if Fanatics does their job and what they say they're going to do and 10x or 5x or even 2x the hobby, there's that many more buyers, right? Supply and demand. That's what's going to happen. And it's going to drive the price up of cards. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think there is still uh, in the long run, it does still feel like we're in a healthier spot you know there there may have been this i think when you look at things in the long run there's going to be this outlier where you go man that was a weird that was a crazy little bubble we had right there but it, yeah i think if you look at it five ten years it's still there's a, still this healthy growth overall uh and i guess to that point you guys have expanded you guys i think really start uh, you guys really had the content game on lockdown like uh youtube ig tiktok which i want to get into a lot more in detail but you guys have expanded breaking shops all that sort of stuff so do you guys now see yourself as a shop a break uh, uh, you know breakers first or do you still see yourself as like we are content creators here and, and that is really our bread and butter at dabs yeah, we definitely consider ourselves a media company first. And the way DAP Sports started was me creating YouTube videos, just educating people on, hey, I bought this card for this price. I sold it for this price. I made this much money. I bought this card. I lost money, right? This is, how, this is why, in my opinion, I lost money on this card. This is how I think I made money on this card. And if you follow some of the, the patterns of the, the seasons, right? For example, you know, John Morant right now in Zion injury and terrible press their prices are way down right now now i'm not a huge zion buyer at the moment but you know he's might might be 25 percent of his value right now or even 50 percent. either way you buy a card for 100 bucks and he goes back to normal that's you're doubling your money on that card and you got to hold it three four five six months so knowing when these little spots can happen i mean we saw joe burrow and we saw justin herbert when that rookie class dropped burrow was the guy Right, Herbert quickly took over. Then Burrow gets injured at the end of the season. Burrow falls off a cliff. Herbert stays the guy until the next year. Burrow's in the Super Bowl, and then he takes back the reins. So now Burrow's probably got a little bit of an edge on Herbert. And then when these off seasons happen and the season ends, all the attention goes to the next sport, and that's a huge buying opportunity too. So there's there's just small things that you can earn 10 20 30 percent on just watching patterns every single year year over year in the card market and like we going back to uh fanatics again if they 5x or 10x the hobby i mean this this boom that happened that we talked about in 2020 could look relatively small compared to 10x the amount of people in it right 
Yeah, that, that is something that is sort of the sleeping giant right now. And maybe that's something we learn more about at the national, but the the reach of them. And I still think there is that like the thing I always tell people, especially in this world, is like there you, you go outside of it. Just, you know, even your friends and family that aren't collecting all the time. And I still think there is a, a relative surprise from some people of like, wait, how much money is this going for? How much are these cards going for? And again, we're talking about in our world, we're thinking, oh man, I think some, some, you know, some, some folks out there that are doom and gloom. And yet I still think there is that opportunity. Like you said, I think with fanatics uh, for, for something even bigger, uh, you know, come the national. Uh, what do you, by the way, uh, uh, before I get into sort of you guys doing content, I, I do want to actually talk about what do you expect from the national this year? Uh, do you think that there is going to be uh, the last couple of years? It felt like this thing could not get any bigger. Like it just kept growing and growing and growing. Do you think that we're going to hit a plateau here? Do you think it's going to be bigger than years prior? Just any predictions? What do you, th- what do you think we're going to see in Chicago this year? Well, personally, I, I enjoyed the, sh- the Chicago show way more than the AC show. Not that they didn't do a good job. I just, you know, who wants to go to Atlantic City, right? <laughs> so uh, we're, we're definitely excited to return to Chicago. I'm, I'm very excited. I've heard that they opened up, uh, I don't know what the square footage is, but there's a lot more space at this show than the previous one, which means there's a lot more demand for people to set up. So it's definitely going to be bigger at, what's, at what scale. I don't know. I'm just excited to go and see it as a, as a sports card fan, as just a fan of the hobby, uh, as somebody who creates content in the hobby, we, we see a tremendous amount of opportunity here. Remember all the, everybody who creates content, everybody who is in this market is going to be at this show. So for anybody watching, this is a tremendous amount of, or excuse me, this is a tremendous opportunity to plan and say, Hey, I could hit five or six or seven guys. I could get them all on camera in one spot and not have to travel around the whole country to film content with them. So you do have to uh, plan ahead for stuff like this and realize there's tremendous amount of tremendous amounts of opportunity here. Yeah, exactly. Tremendous, tremendous opportunity for, like you said, for content, for networking, for whatever it may be. And then of course, if you're just a collector to see amount of stuff you're going to see is mind blowing. Just, uh, you know, crazy, crazy stuff that you see on the show floor, stuff you never expect to see in a million years. Uh, you mentioned, uh, like you said, we, we talked about it kind of the bread and butter. It's, it's content creating. And it's something that again, I think has really, taken off over the last few years uh as something that is a viable market in this industry uh and we have seen a lot of them uh look uh, we are we we've here at mojo break we've been doing a podcast for a long time we're we're doing the same thing we're trying to find what clicks for people what works for people i think i heard you on an interview i was uh, actually a friends of ours of the podcast sports card nonsense uh where you were talking about you can't just do the you can't just keep taking a picture of a nice card and expect it to pop every time. And you're right. Like I think that was where we kind of hit a wall of like we can't just have hits of the week. Like everybody's got big hits. Everybody. I mean, there might be one that pops off that's bigger than the others, but you got to get lucky on those. So for you, what do you do? What 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 goes into your process of like how do we keep this fresh? How do we keep this new for people you know a few years in and especially in a content pool that now has gotten just bigger and bigger and that 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 net is wider than ever how do you guys try to stand out from the crowd 
Well, I think from the beginning, like I said, or mentioned on Sports Card Nonsense, you know, you're taking a picture of a card and, and, and listen, there should be excitement in the cards that you love. That's why we do this, right? Because we see something and it's art to us and we want to photograph it and show it other people, hey, look what I have, right? But from my standpoint, it's, I've never really gotten off by that. It's more about how do I create something and get as many people to either engage with that or view that piece of content because that's competition with yourself, right? So people might say, oh, it's not necessarily about the views or the likes. And, and I understand that if you're creating content that you love and you get 500 views or 1,000 views or whatever the amount is, you should continue to do that. Keep creating that content. But for me, that's also a, a metric, right? Why do I create a piece of content that does 4 million views and then two days later do one that only produces 50,000 views? That's a big difference, right? We're talking about like 60, 70 X. How did I do that many more views and why? And then it's trying to figure that out in a science, right? Like a scientific method of, hey, if I do more cuts in my video or if I add more text on screen, right? You got to think about all of these things. And if you're not thinking about them, somebody else is, right? So trying to perfect your style and figure out what your niche is. And listen, something that we did in the hobby was we brought the audience through the experience of ripping cards, which I think anybody can watch and go, oh, I've had that moment before. And we also did it in an authentic way where we weren't filming and going, hey, every time we open a box, we get a hit because that's not realistic either, right? We show most of the time in our videos, we're down money, right? You're, you're opening a box and you're down. But if you can't enjoy that, then the hobby probably isn't for you. You have to understand if everybody ripped a box open and made money, I don't think cards would be very valuable, right? And we'd have the 90s overprinting situation all over again. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you think that, uh, do you think that just to put it simply, are we kind of at a crossroads here with sports card content? Because I do feel like, like I said, it's, I don't think there's ever been more people looking for our eyeball, you know, seeking our attention, seeking, uh, you know, looking for those eyeballs on sports card content. There's a lot of it and there's a lot of options for folks. Uh, do you think maybe here in the next few years, whether it be the inclusion of fanatics, the whatever it may be that, you know, people joining forces, uh, do you think that maybe we're at a point here where we could start to see, I guess, for, for you know, uh, I'll try to keep it simple, uh, people getting weeded out or people trying to, uh, or maybe it, this this sort of creates a competition where we're going to see, you know, the cream of the crop rising to the top here. Where do you think we stand right now? Where are we going to be here in a couple of years when it comes to creating content in this space? Well, I think, <clears throat> I think that a lot of guys, uh, th their, their specialty or their expertise might not be creating content and that's okay. But then you got to bring or hire people to come on into your company who are experts or have a little bit more experience than you. So, you know, it's, you're not going to call up an electrician and say, Hey, you know, my pipes, my, my plumbing isn't working. I need you to help me out. Right. And it's the same thing with a guy who's been running a sports card shop for 30 years. He's not just going to all of a sudden understand social media, right? He's not just going to all of a sudden understand, you know what? I know how to film something. Right. So you gotta, you gotta figure out, who is your social media person going to be? Who is your content creator going to be? And what are they bringing to the table for you? Because if there are five or 10 more, 10 X more people that fanatics brings into this hobby, I don't think that 
we need less content. We need more content, right? We need more education. We need more entertainment. And the people in the hobby right now who are still learning, if they don't, you know, kind of hone their craft and get better at it, there's going to be experts who come in at content. There's going to be more and more people who come in who are great at content and who have been doing content in another space. And then they're going to figure out sports cards and they're going to make great content for sports cards. And they're going to serve the the five or 10 X more people that fanatics bring into the hobby. So it's, it's kind of, it's interesting to watch the hobby kind of complain about things. Right. And we all do. This isn't, you know, talking negatively about anybody. There's, there's a, uh, an announcement that comes out and then it goes, everybody goes, Oh, Beckett changed their grading, grading system. We don't like that. Right. Which is cool too. Cause everybody bands together and they're like, no, that's not happening. Right. And they push back about Beck, mm-hmm. uh, against Beckett. Right. And then Beckett walks it back and you know, they, they, they give the hobby what they want, but at the same time, you can't also say, I want my cards to be more valuable, but I also don't want all these new people coming into the hobby. Because that's how your cards become more valuable is there's a hundred more people who want to buy your card and now there's a bidding war over your card. So, you know, you have to kind of think about what it is that you want. If you're sitting on a treasure trove of cards from, you know, 2012 to 2015 prism, because me personally, I think that's a great set to invest in first year prism. Cause as we go over time, if fanatics does take over, we don't know what's going to happen with Panini, Right. Do they buy, do they purchase Panini? Do they not purchase Panini? But no matter what, those first year Prism cards, I think are going to hold value. I don't think there's a ton in pop, uh, you know, PSA 10. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens as the the hobby grows. But going back to your content question, if there's 10x the amount of people who are in the market, that's 10x the amount of people who need to see a piece of content. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, kind of something I want to go back on, touch on that I think you guys have done a really good job of addressing is there are for this industry to survive. It, it, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, no duh, but you need new people, you need new faces. And I think the biggest thing, and, you know, talking to folks who have been in this industry longer, I think than than you or I is the amount of youth that has emerged in this space that was not there, you know, four or five years ago. Case in point, uh, when I watch you got your guys' videos now, I think the faces I'm seeing, Bo and Sam, I believe it is, who are the really become the social media faces for you guys. And we were watching them, I think, even before they were with you guys were, man, these guys are getting numbers. These guys are these guys are doing something, tapping into something that look, I'm not gonna say I'm an old guy here, but like you know, you get over thirty, and it's there. You start to realize, oh yeah, shoot, I don't know uh, like half the songs in the top hundred Billboard cuts <laughs> at the end of the year. What did this? Happen? What happened? Uh, so yeah, there's, it's there is a certain audience that you know the, that uh, these younger guys are getting in t- in touch with that you. And I, I think any business owner will understand. Like you just need that injection of youth. So uh, tell me about recruiting those guys on the social media and look the numbers speak for themselves you guys are now almost uh what close to eight hundred thousand on tiktok the the ig numbers are getting there too so just tell me about connecting with them and how important it was to get that youth's perspective here from your social media brand which is just really just taking off well yeah i mean when you think about it bo and sam they each have close to five million uh 5 million followers on their own personal accounts. Right. And when I met them, they probably had closer to one or two or three, somewhere around there, but they're in the top 1% of creators on TikTok in the world. 
right? Which is incredible. And that's what I mean, going back to what we were talking about before, they are experts in content, right? So where I might be an expert in live streaming, right? And putting a break on, they are experts in content. And lucky for me, I was also doing content on the side, making skits, right? 2017, 2018. There's a lot of people very close to me in Los Angeles who were blowing up on TikTok at the time. And, you know, I kind of shunned them. I was doing Instagram skits. I kind of missed, kind of missed the wave on Instagram. I was too late to the party, right? But when TikTok rolls around, people are getting real big, 300,000, 400,000, 500,000 followers, and I'm not giving it the respect it deserves. And then six months later, my, my buddy's got 2 million. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just start shooting content with him. And now because I'm shooting content with these guys, I'm at 200, 300,000 followers just by shooting content with them, right? Now, fast forward, Bo and Sam, they see one of my YouTube videos that I had produced and they go, hey, our uncle has this BGS9 Fleer 86 Jordan that he's trying to sell. Do you want to buy it for $8,000? And I'm like, oh, I actually just bought one. So I'm not interested. <laughs> but we keep talking and they keep mm -hmm. asking questions, right? And they're entering my live stream every night and they want to come to LA. They're an hour away and buy a couple boxes. And I'm talking about, it was probably mosaic basketball, Zion rookies, jaw rookies, 1920. Right, right. And we meet up and they want to, you know, buy a mega box or a blaster, whatever it is. And we're just chatting, you know, as collectors, right? Just fans of sports and the hobby. And we continue to talk and I'm so busy with editing and live streaming every night and shipping. I'm doing all these things myself or with one employee at the time. And they're like, Hey, we'll shoot content for you if you give us free boxes of cards. And I'm like, sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, that's that right? sounds like a real sweet deal. <laughs> yeah, but but also as a creator, as a content creator, you, you want it a certain way, right? And in the beginning, I'm thinking, I'm going to tell them the videos that I want to shoot. And then at a certain point, your, your brain clicks and you go, these guys are the experts. Why am I telling them how to shoot content, right? Yeah. And once I could kind of let go of and give up some of that creative control to them, that's when everything kind of blew up because they were producing the content. They could focus on that. I could focus on YouTube. I could focus on running my live streams every single night. And now we had this perfect storm of breaking and content creation. So that was kind of the uh, genesis of, of DAP Sports. Yeah, well, it's it, it has become uh, you know a, a huge name in this hobby, uh, and like I said, we we were watching their stuff, going, man, these guys are. If somebody can find these guys and and and, and tap into their potential, you guys have absolutely done it. So uh, it's a lot of fun watching what you guys bring to the table. Always excited to see what you guys have at the national. I know we talked about a little bit what you expect, but I want to end it with this. And again, thank you uh, again to Daps for joining us today. But I want to end it with this. Uh, you've been in here now in this industry professionally for what, about four or five years. And where do you see things going here? Again, we are in a big moment with this industry with big money coming in and, and things really changing really fast uh, in both in content and breaking and so many aspects of this industry. If you had to predict where we're at in say, you know, what uh, 2028 in this industry, uh, do you think we're going to be in a healthier spot? Do you think we're going to be in a spot where we can't even 
kind of predict how big this thing is going to be. Uh, what are your predictions here for both the industry and for DAPS uh, five years down the road? Well, I think the industry is going to be in a place similar to you, you see FanDuel commercials before a football game. I, I, what I anticipate is seeing sports card commercials before a football game. I, I hope that we can get to a place where on Thursday night football, the same way they, they shoot over to – uh, Peyton Manning or Eli or whoever the the host is on that given night, maybe there's a segment where you know people are ripping cards for ten minutes in the middle of the game, whether it be at halftime or in between quarters. I think that would be a really interesting way to 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 show the audience because again, I'm of the opinion that there's a tremendous amount of football fans who don't even know this really exists, right? They don't know what a break is. Yeah. Same thing with basketball. Same thing with baseball fans. So that's where the education comes in. So moving over from the industry to DAP Sports. DAP Sports focuses. How do we educate people? How do we create content that lets people understand and enter the hobby at the most affordable price possible? Right. So that's where our live streams on TikTok, you know, dapsports.com or our TikTok channel, Twitch channel, wherever you want to come watch us. We want to be live 24 7. We want to be creating price points that allow anyone to enter the hobby. You do not need $1,000 for a Prism or National Treasures hobby box to get into the hobby. We're going to create breaks where the Ravens, the Raiders, the Rams, the Patriots, they can be anywhere from 9.99 to 99.99, right? Depending on the draft class. But when you're creating those $9, $19, $29 price points, it's it's super super crucial for the hobby because like we said, if if a hobby box is $1000, not everyone's going to look at that and go, "Let me try sports cards out." I mean, right. even $500 right? Even $300. Yeah. Some people don't want to spend that on their first go around. Obviously the, the economy right now is not in the best shape, but hopefully we see that turnaround and then people have a little bit more disposable income. And I mean, you see people drop 20 or 30 bucks on a, on a FanDuel, you know, uh, prop on any given night. Right. So I, I imagine that sports cars are going to follow a similar path to, uh, fantasy sports, daily fantasy sports is what I believe. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, like you said, a lot of what you said there absolutely resonates with me, especially the idea of you got to make it, uh, you know, you make it affordable where you can, everybody in every price range could get in. I think we have always preached this to hobbies for everybody, whether you're, you know, like it's, I, Hey, how I got into it at 10 years old, just got my lawn mowing money for the week and got a couple of packs. Like we still need that space for those people to get into it. So uh, you really appreciate you coming on. Uh, let us know where can we find you on social media? Uh, go ahead and uh, just uh, plug away. Where, where can we find you? Yeah. So we're DAP sports, D A P P Z sports across the board, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, uh, and dapsports.com. We have breaks up every single day. Uh, we are, running three channels on TikTok almost 24 hours a day. So please come check us out, TikTok shop, dapsports.com. And uh, if you want to check out any of our content, obviously TikTok as well, but YouTube, Dap Sports for more of that long-form stuff or to see our experiences at the National or any of the shows. Didn't even mention it, but you, gosh, TikTok shops. That's another part where, man, that is kind of like wave of the future when it comes to this hobby. Just the, the really TikTok in general just feels like so much untapped potential in the in the sports card space. I'm sure you know that uh, very, very well and take it full advantage. Uh, 
And again, where we can, uh, you'll be at the national as well. You guys are going to be set up. Uh, do you guys know exactly where you're going to be set up or uh, do you guys have any details on that to share? Yeah, so I don't think they've officially given us our booth number, but we will be in the aisle right next to PSA. So it's where the main floor touches the the Breakers Pavilion. So please head over to PSA and you'll see us for sure. Come check out the putt-putt. Maybe you'll win a prize. There you go. And I know from experience, uh, if you're right by PSA, wherever you hear that big that big noise throughout the, the show, because... Trust us, we were right by it recording podcasts there a few years ago and uh, got a lot of comments from our listeners. What's that noise? It sounds like a dog whistle right now. I'm like, it's PSA grading. They're, they're doing their job. Just, uh, you know, hey, they, they got to do what they got to do. So uh, just look for that. You'll find Daps. All right. Hey, Daps, thanks so much for joining me today. And uh, best of luck. We'll see you at the National. So uh, best of luck the rest of the way. And we'll see you in Chicago. See you in Chicago.